Chapter Thirty One of From Jest to Earnest by Edward P. Rowe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Like Many Waters. Chapter Thirty One Under the Mistletoe. Instead of applause, there was the truer and more appropriate tribute of silence when Hemstead finished the mosaic of a story which, by the various narratives, had been developed so differently and yet characteristically the eyes of more than one were moist and lottie hastily left the room mr dimmerly was the first to recover himself and after blowing his nose most vociferously managed to say well nephew it was hardly the thing to get a sermon off on us before sunday but since it was rather well done i don't think we will complain now i suggest that you young people have some games that will set your blood in motion the last hours of christmas eve should ever be the merriest i will send lottie back the tender-hearted little minx who must take everything in earnest his advice was followed and lottie soon returned becoming as usual the life of the company a breezy sound of voices and many a ringing laugh took the place of the former hush as games and jests followed in quick succession harcourt was good-naturedly on the alert to serve hemstead and in a game that required the absence of two of the company from the room a few moments suggested the names of the student and lottie marsden they nothing loath went out together into the empty hall do you know said hemstead i think it a little strange i have not had a chance to speak to you alone since we were at the fallen tree in the clump of hemlocks i did not know said lottie laughing and blushing that the fallen tree was a trysting place well said he eagerly i met a young lady there once whom i would gladly meet there or anywhere else again to see whether she had taken your advice that depends i doubt whether she can make a man of a certain individual and i fear she will not take the other alternative she will probably do as ninon did follow her heart if one could only know whither your heart would lead you he said looking at her so wistfully that she seeing through his thin disguise had it on her tongue to tell him but instead she took a few dancing steps away and with no such intention whatever stood just under the mistletoe as she laughingly said that reminds me of what father often says how nice it would be to speculate if one only knew every time how it would turn out miss marsden he exclaimed hurriedly you are right under the mistletoe she tried to spring away but he snatched her hand and detained her while he stood hesitatingly at her side looking at her lips as if they were the gates of paradise well said she laughing and blushing i have nothing to do in the matter but i dare not take it unless you give it and i dare not give it unless you take it if hemstead did not emulate mr dimmerly's explosion the ancient rite was nevertheless honored in a way that lottie would not soon forget never did a kiss mean more express more or impart more upon any occasion of the observance of the ceremony by her ancestors back to the times of the druids but this moment of bliss was of short duration for mrs marchmont unexpectedly entered the hall and threw them both into disastrous confusion by exclaiming 
and unfeigned astonishment. Well, well, what does this mean? Of course, Lottie was the first to recover herself, and managed to falter. You see, Auntie, by some accident, I assure you it was an accident, I didn't mean to do it at all. I got under that pesky mistletoe of uncle's, and Mr. Hemstead, it would seem, had taken to heart uncle's homily on the duty of keeping up old customs. Mr. Hemstead, you know, is so conscientious, and I suppose he felt that he must, poor man, and so, and thus. At this moment Harcourt's expedience of delay failed, and they were loudly summoned back to the dining-room. I hope there will be no more such nonsense, said Mrs. Marchmont severely. Oh, no, indeed, Auntie, it will never happen again. Only the strongest sense of duty could have impelled Mr. Hemstead to do such a thing and they escaped to the dining-room, only to be subjected to a fire from another quarter. Their color was so high, and they had such an air of general confusion, that Harcourt cried laughingly, I more than half believe that you have been under the mistletoe. Nonsense, said Lottie, with Auntie in the hall. If you think Mr. Hemstead is brave enough for that, you greatly misjudge him. But De Forest was woefully suspicious, and had many uneasy thoughts about the jest which Lottie must be carrying out, for surely it could not be possible that she was becoming in earnest. Hemstead and Lottie made wretched work in guessing the word required of them from the nature of the game, for Mr. Dimmerly's prolonged chuckling laugh, which could be heard from the parlor, did not tend to allay their confusion. When Mrs. Marchmont entered that apartment, she found her brother apparently in a convulsion, but he was only vainly endeavoring to prevent his merriment from developing into an outrageous chuckle, for he too had seen Lottie under the mistletoe. This thing must be stopped, said Mrs. Marchmont most emphatically, at which her brother chuckled louder than ever and said, stopped indeed as if it could be or ever had been stopped since adam and eve first cast sheep's eyes at each other in the garden of eden his sister left the room with a gesture of annoyance suddenly the little man's queer cackling laugh ceased and his wrinkled face grew sad and thoughtful as he sighed i'm the only dimmerly who was ever stopped fool that i was his mother, Sister Celia, would marry a poor man, and her life, in spite of all her toil and privation, has been happier than mine. And he shook his head pathetically over what might have been. The marble clock on the mantel chimed out the hour of twelve, and the young people came flocking in from the dining-room, their noisy mirth hushed as they remembered that the sacred hours of the Christmas Sabbath had begun. I have induced Miss Martell to give us a Christmas hymn before parting, said Harcourt, and he led Alice to the piano, as if there had been some preconcerted arrangement. Lottie went to her uncle's side, and took his arm in a sort of wheedling, affectionate way. She was beginning instinctively to recognize that she had an ally and sympathizer in him. As he looked down upon her fair face in its dewy freshness and bloom, he vowed that, as far as it was in his power she should have her own way. Time and the inevitable ills of our lot might dim that face, but it should not become withered by a lifetime of vain regret. "'What were you laughing at so, uncle?' she whispered. "'At my nephew's painful conscientiousness and stern performance of duty. What a martyr he made of himself, to be sure!' 
now uncle i half believe you think i stepped under your old mistletoe on purpose it's no such thing oh no my dear the mistletoe is haunted and has been for a thousand years or more and viewless elves draw under it those who are to receive kisses prophetic of many others from the same lips but here he found lottie's hand upon his lips for a second and then she stood at miss martell's side who was now playing a prelude in some surprise lottie noticed that instead of there being a printed sheet upon the piano rack both the words and music were written by hand as miss martell sang in a sweet but unfamiliar air the following words her surprise and interest deepened at midnight in judean skies there dawned a light whose holy rays not only cheered the shepherd's eyes but filled with hope all coming days at midnight o'er judea's plain was heard a song unknown before the echoes of that sweet refrain are reaching earth's remotest shore twas not the sun o'er eastern hills that shed a transient radiance round nor a feeble air of earthly ills the shepherds in the manger found upon the darker midnight sky of human sorrow care and sin a night that broods at noontide high a dreary gloom all hearts within there rose a gentle human face whose light was love and sympathy the god of heaven yet of our race the humblest of humanity the night of sorrow sin and care still shadows many hapless hearts but all who will this light may share this hope which christmas morn imparts lottie's eyes were suffused with tears when the simple hymn was finished but they did not prevent her from following miss martell's finger as she turned to the title page and pointed to the inscription music by alice martell words by frank hemstead dedicated to miss lottie marsden we wish you more than a merry the happy christmas rather of the christian her first response was an impulsive kiss to alice but when she looked around to thank hemstead he had gone a little later as he came stamping up the piazza out of the snow after assisting harcourt and miss martell away the hall door opened and some one darted out and took his hand in a quick thrilling pressure a voice that had grown as dear as familiar said before we parted to-night i wanted to tell you that i think lottie marsden like ninon had become more than a woman a christian and she vanished but left the night so luminous about him that he could not for a long time enter the house he felt like the shepherds who kept watch centuries ago that an angel had brought him tidings of great joy End of chapter thirty one